Hello, and welcome to the Original Remake Podcast, where we discuss and compare an original film and its remake. Hello, and welcome to the Original Remake Podcast, where we discuss and compare an original film and its remake. Ultimately, we seek answers to three questions. Does the remake do justice to the original? And if you just watch the remake, do you get a good sense of why the original was successful or not successful and thus remade? But most of all, which movie to watch, the original or the remake? There was a Red Sox player uh, named Kevin Euclid, who was the his nickname was the Greek God of Walks. Like, in uh, have you ever seen Moneyball the movie? Uh, oh, that's um, Brad Pitt. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he there's actual footage of him in that movie uh where that he because they're all about in that movie about getting on base like mm-hmm. players who get on base doesn't matter right. how the, so, uh, Kevin, the there's an acronym for it hold on let me see if i can impress you uh nope can't can't do it but, but it has the word uh, base in obp it. uh on base percentage there it OBP. is okay yeah uh, I, I own the movie and uh he was just like insane as far as that goes as far as on base percentage he so gets on all the I just, time i just Shortened it to Ukes and say because he he would always draw a walk. So okay. uh, he's my my favorite baseball player for for that reason. So oh, okay. And I knew it would be a nickname I could use on the internet, and no one would ever have. So right. Uh, yeah. Now that that on base percentage that that thing's always kind of existed, right? That, that was yeah, always it's always existed. Like it's just with the Oakland A's. That's when it became. Um, they were like the first team to really utilize that as opposed to like home runs or hits. They just say they recognize that like how many bases you get, it doesn't matter how you get on there. Like even if it's not a highlight, it wouldn't be on sports center, but if you still get on base then that has value. I, I don't understand why it took so long. Was it late eighties or something like that? That was the late nineties. Late nineties. Okay. <laughs> yeah. See, so I just, I wonder why it took so long for someone to figure that out. I mean, you had players that emphasized it, like Ted Williams, uh, the the Red Sox. Um, he, you know, he he looked at it that way. But you you have a lot of like the baseball minds that they would just count. Basically, like I said, they're just looking for highlights. Mm-hmm. Just like mm-hmm. you just hit the ball. If you get a hit, that's better than drawing a walk, even though you both end up at first base. So I don't know. Okay. Yeah, I don't know. Baseball's old. They're old and codgy and stupid. <laughs> Bunch of dinosaurs. Right. Uh, we're really like entertaining our listeners with this baseball talk. Um, well, I don't. So. I don't think they'll actually hear it. <laughs> <laughs> we should just leave all that in. We could. Moneyball. Uh, so if you're, if you, yeah, if you were just now joining us for our second, our second uh, Star Wars episode, we were talking about on base percentage, but you probably won't hear that because uh, we don't want to make you suffer through two or three minutes of Moneyball talk. But uh, we are going to make you suffer through a New Hope again. Which a lot of people would say that's not suffering. No, no. I was going to say you can see the correlation with baseball and Star Wars. So you know the the, the lightsabers are a bat, uh, a base. You know, like 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 the Death Star is kind of like a base. You know, a different kind of base, but still a base nonetheless. So uh, we're really really reaching for that a to, bit. to just include Moneyball. Well, I guess it's just know, I mean, one more hashtag. We'll I'm just sure. Baseball. I'm sure our 50 listeners wouldn't mind. You know, the uh, exclusive following film dot com uh, visitors. And like the two people that talk. has Podbean app, you know, including <laughs> myself, <laughs> still still not on iTunes. People still not on iTunes. So, all right, so we are talking about uh, Star Wars again, A New Hope. Uh, this time, the original intent of that episode, because we this was this was supposed to be our only Star Wars episode, talking about the influence of the Hidden Fortress, a 1958 uh, foreign film on George Lucas on his. Uh, his indie art house hit, uh, the episode four, A New Hope. Uh, but then Force Awakens came out, and there was a lot of similarities between it and A New Hope. So we're doubling down and giving you two A New Hope episodes. And uh, Peter, would you mind, as always, introducing the original, which is usually the foreign film. So yeah. I really appreciate that. Sure, no problem. <laughs> All right, so we got that The Hidden Fortress. It did uh, come out uh, in 1962 for USA. Uh, but 58 in Japan. Uh, it is directed by Akira Kurosawa and stars Toshiro Mifune, Misa Uhara, Minoru Chiaki, Kamatari Fujiwara, and Masaru... S- no, 
that's the music by. But anyway, sounds like a bunch of sushi rolls, right? Well, thank you. Thank that, was, you. Uh, that was very well done. I could not have gotten that close. I feel and, if uh, you just say it slowly and enunciate the like mm. each of the uh, the syllables, I, I, I think uh, I think you could do it yourself. Well, wh- why don't you so, try the the person who did the music by? Do you, do you have that up? I was going to try uh, Toshiro Mifune. There you is go. that how you hey, said it? That's how uh, I said it. I, believe, I don't know if that's how you, is, you're supposed to say it. He is uh, he is actually half of our logo uh, yeah. on oh, the original right. remake. Okay, see, I didn't know his name. Yeah. So, uh, but that was from uh, I think we're using the Seven Samurai though uh, yes. in our in our logo. So right, because it's Magnificent uh, Seven also. So of course, yes. right. Uh, so we finally got around to to that, and uh, eventually we'll get around to Seven Samurai. I think that was supposed to be our second episode, and then I texted you and was like, "You know, this movie's almost four hours long. Let's do something else." <laughs> and I said, "Yes, I did." So, <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, well, you know, starting with the Hidden Fortress, uh, I had not seen it until this podcast. I was aware of it. I was aware that George Lucas uh, took some story beats primarily in A New Hope, which I will now introduce for those very strange people who have no idea what Star Wars is. Uh, But uh, this film basically starts out with Princess Leia, um, who's played by Carrie Fisher, hiding the Death Star plans, uh, which uh, Darth Vader is after, uh, in a robot R2-D2 and his, um, I guess his companion. I, I don't know. They're not exactly friendly companions at the start of A New Hope, uh, much like in The Hidden Fortress. But 3PO and R2 escape. And uh, we, we see that in The Hidden Fortress with uh, two deserters slash thieves. Yeah. Two uh, men who uh, are not participating in this like battle, this war of different clans, but they keep finding themselves uh, ensnared. Uh, what, what, in this... what are their uh, what are the character names of these two people that you speak of? These <laughs> these peddlers. <laughs> you know, I honestly I have no idea. Even when I was watching, I didn't really like think of them as like by their character names. Um, I think, uh, Tahe and Matashi, Matashishi. Those okay. All right, that's fine. Sure. They sound like, like I, I thought of them as. I thought of them as R2 and 3PO. That's exactly um, what I thought, too. And, and before we get any further, I want to do a little shameless plug here when you were just talking about Star Wars. And I think that this kind of relates to because on my show, uh, Hydrate Level 4, which you can find at followingfilms.com, I just recently released uh, an episode where I interviewed Sarah Gailey, who uh, you guys might have seen her story uh, covered on uh, Mashable, but uh, she also um, has a thing on Storify where she live tweeted the original Star Wars trilogy, and she hadn't seen them uh, until this live tweet. So she did a lot of really funny renamings. So when you said Darth Vader, my first, my, the first thought that popped in my head was Space Voldemort because that's what she called him. So I, I don't understand the reference. I don't even know Harry Potter. Was, so yeah, I, I stay away from that. Oh, okay, that's, uh, that's witchcraft. Okay, okay. <laughs> she uh, she calls um, Jabba the Hutt um, lounge monster. I, I think it was. Uh, R2-D2 and C-3PO are gold robot man and trash uh, space trash can. Um, so those are just some examples. Uh, she, You're just offending all the Star Wars fans that are listening to us right now. The only right. God damn it. To us. You know, I probably wouldn't get one listen out of that now that, that, now that you mentioned <laughs> it. Uh, she, she does throw a lot of shade on Luke. Uh, she calls him uh, whiny, and, and she talks about his hair and that he needs to get it cut. So. Well, there's no Luke in Hidden Fortress. No, there isn't. But we got a, a Han Solo slash Obi Wan c- combo. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Uh, and yeah, that's sort of a, a rougher uh, warrior character, uh, a little bit more of like an anti-hero type, he's, which he's kind of brings in the right. Uh, but not the nicest of guys. It's kind of gruff. That's where you kind of get the the Han Solo element here. Uh, but yeah, in the Hidden Fortress, he. He basically uses these two uh, peasants, these two scoundrels, um, in his attempts to uh, escort uh, the princess in this film mm-hmm. uh, out of the uh, the territory that has now been uh, basically, I like, guess, invaded uh, by a rival rival faction, rival clan, uh, and they're they're trying to basically trying to get her back home, trying to get her back to. Uh, to her to her base, which is not not the Death Star in this film, unfortunately. Yeah, the um, one of the things that they the okay, you know, to kind of piggyback what you were saying when you opened up um with the show is like I I also I hadn't seen this, um, 
I kind of knew that Star Wars was kind of uh, had its influence from this movie, Hidden Fortress. I didn't know it was a Japanese movie, let alone a Kurosawa movie. So uh, that was really surprising too. But yeah, it, it's it's a. Uh, I guess this is where Lucas got the influence for, you know, how Star Wars. You know, we we see it kind of from the perspective, right, of the the two lowly characters, right, and that's where the, these two guys are, the Tahe and Matashi. Matashi. I'm gonna go with that one. And um, the difference, though, the big. Yeah. I mean, the big difference is that. Um, Lucas just uses them as a handoff to get us to Luke, who, as we we said, is not in this film. There's not really a Luke-like character to get us to the hero and start him on his journey. Uh, whereas in the Hidden Fortress, the you know these two <laughs> guys who don't care about anything except themselves and like whatever you know gold they can they can get, who have no allegiance to anyone, they're actively involved and. Uh, what I found to be the most interesting about this movie, and I, I, I want to point out, I think it's really funny. It's mm-hmm. strangely funny. Like, it, if I, you know, I, I have this on Criterion, and I did not have it unwrapped yeah. yet. Of course, yeah. yeah. Um, you know, you look you look at it, and the cover, it's like it's of the princess, and she's got like sort of a warrior pose. And uh-huh. I knew uh, Kurosawa. I knew who, like he did like samurai movies. I did not expect it to be as funny as what it is. I, I found it to be like a really entertaining movie because of these like goofballs, these jackasses that you have involved who actively uh, try to help when it's in their interest, but also try to screw them over. They try to screw over the princess throughout the film. And I found that really enjoyable compared to a new hope where obviously R2 is programmed to, you know, find Obi-Wan Kenobi, like, you know, the, what's the famous help me Obi-Wan message. Like at no point is he ever trying to screw over uh, Luke or Ben or Princess Leia. Yeah, I, you know, with the, with the Princess Yuki here, I, I thought it was really interesting that uh, she poses as a mute. You know, just because she felt like, like a, I guess, if she spoke, people would kind of recognize her as the princess. But I, I feel like if you're a princess, not a lot of people would recognize your voice. It'd be more of your look. But um, I don't know. But she she has a really aggressive voice. Like she's a really aggressive stance on things, which you do see mirrored in uh carrie fisher's portrayal of princess leia as far as like you know when she's rescued um she immediately starts giving luke and han shit and even chewbacca that to me that was the the ultimate offense like anyone (laughs) who picks on chewy uh i can't truck with them but uh, i really like that dynamic that in the hidden fortress the princess has with the general where they play these sort of um mind games with each other where he attempts to to get her to like do his bidding and she recognizes that, um, and I I like that. Like she's in both versions. I think you know both princesses here are not dumb. They're very strong-willed characters, and I, I like both versions of them as far as being strong female characters. Yeah, and I agree with you that the the Hidden Fortress, uh, you know, is is very comical. But uh, it, it wasn't me, right? The, the the one scene where she was like sleeping, there was a little like rapey vibe with with the, with the two characters there. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, uh, and you you see another. It's another woman that comes to her defense. I believe it's a basically a woman who had been sold into like the sex trade, like a uh, a slave or prostitute who comes in. I thought that was really interesting that you had um, her, you know, defend the princess. Um, so it's for it to be a, as I said, nineteen fifty eight. I found it to be a really kind of progressive in that respect as far as how they portray their female characters. What was that a brothel that they went to or? What, what was you that? just brought up an excellent point. And okay. why, like, we can go ahead and finish the episode. This one, Hidden Fortress is better than A New Hope because there's a brothel. <laughs> like, it's just automatically better. Yeah, there's a uh, a brothel, and they. <clears throat> it's interesting because you you basically see, I think in the Hidden Fortress, you see like the cantina. Well, I was gonna say you see humanity at its at its lowest, basically, because you. Like these poor the peasants who get wrapped up in this war. Like I think the opening sequence is they're just walking through like the mist, like away from combat. Right. And then they walk right into more combat. They get captured. They get put in this like basically uh, prison camp for you know the opposing side. And then you just see like men just like climbing all over each other, like these bodies and such. And um, that's one thing as I was watching it because I watched it within the same like twenty four hours as A New Hope. 
that I found to be very different between the two. And I, I realize, you know, as we're talking about this, like there, this is not a direct remake. No, it's hope. not. It's just taking influences. But if we're looking at it from that point of view, in Fortress is about like society kind of in flux. Like mm-hmm. you're, you're seeing it during the war. So you're seeing that kind of the common people, like the conditions they're living in. Whereas a new hope it's after one side has already won. And it's like, so you just have an empire who just basically controls what you can and can't do. Uh, but we never really see like, you know, even Luke on Tatooine, even though he complains about his life and is quite whiny, you know, he has a pretty normal existence as far as with him and his uncle. It's really only <laughs> when he gets involved with the rebels and R2 that you see any sort of violence happen to them. Whereas in Hidden Fortress, there's like violence throughout to like the commoners, like kind of being under control of this, this invading faction. Uh, speaking of uh, violence, there, there's there, there's one scene that that kind of bothered me because it's just it was really boring. But it was the the, the duel, you know, the uh, basically you know kind of a, a lightsaber fight scene, but you know with mm-hmm. the the bow staff. Uh, was that boring to you at all? Did you enjoy that? I I enjoyed it because um, yeah, there's that weird like sort of like code in these type of movies. Um, because I believe you're talking about the one between the general and like his, uh, kind of his like former friend. I think so. It, yeah. Um, uh, because there's a personal the history between the two of them. Mm-hmm. Uh, I keep in mind like the, you know, this, this general is protecting the princess and, uh, he's, you know, he basically could be captured right then and there, but they have this, this duel and he's surrounded by this, uh, other, you know, generals like, men and they don't do anything to him because he you know he defeats him in combat i kind of like that especially in these type of movies i like that sort of old school sensibility um it's certainly you know silly uh and it it is it is quite long but i i just i think i just enjoyed it because there is that sense that they're just like i don't know it's they're not like talking shit with each other because as i said a 50s movie so it's not it's not like what we would consider like trash talk but there is that element to it um how did you think that compared to Vader and Obi-Wan as being like two kind of former friends and their, their duel, which uh, a new hope is cut up. It never goes on for that long. It's never like that extended sequence. Well, that's what I was going to say. I mean, obviously the lightsabers are cooler looking and that fight was a lot shorter. <laughs> uh, speaking of shorter, uh, apparently the USA release in 62 of this movie was only 90 minutes, you know, compared hmm. to uh wow. two twenty for the Japanese version in 58 so I'm very curious, for like what they cut down and what they cut out. Like uh, I can see that 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 uh, standoff between the two, you know, could have been a, a lot shorter too. So yeah, I don't, uh, I don't, I don't know what they could have cut. Like to me, I, I found this movie like entertaining throughout. Um, it was well paced for sure. Yeah, like I, I feel like like a New Hope. You know, it just it usually you have these characters who are you know out of the frying pan into the fire like you know they think they kind of get out of something and the difference is we're seeing it from the scoundrels perspective um so imagine if you know han and chewie were completely selfish and like just basically out for their own interests like every time which maybe you could argue han is because Mm -hmm. he's kind of uh you know he he takes the luke and obi-wan off tatooine away from the empire for money and then he goes to rescue the princess leia on the death star because luke convinces them like like she has these vast resources and that she's beautiful so maybe, maybe he is doing it for his own interests until the very end but uh yeah i thought that, you know with hidden fortress every situation these these two guys find themselves in like it just gets more entertaining because they think that they kind of can push somebody else like in front of them it's kind of like that saying like you uh you don't have to be faster than the bear. You just have to be faster than your friend. So they're constantly trying to screw over the general and the princess, but it ends up just screwing them as well. And I, I found that hilarious I, and highly entertaining. That that must be a, a Kentucky expression. I, I haven't heard of that one. But uh, I don't know. You got some woods out there in Portland too. You might need to some some put places. That, put that one under your cap and just you know just for a rainy day. If you're out there, if you're out in the woods with your buddy and a, you know, a bear comes across you, just you know. 
Make sure you're faster than him. Make sure you're wearing uh, the appropriate footwear, yeah. running shoes. In the Pacific Northwest, I'm probably likely, more likely to run into uh, Bigfoot than, than, than an actual bear. But, Either um, way, I'm saving your life here on this <laughs> podcast. <laughs> but uh, to, to kind of um, speak more about the, what, what you're talking about here about these two guys, one of my favorite scenes, and I wish I can insert a clip, but it wouldn't work because it's in Japanese and there's no subtitles via podcast. <laughs> but it, it's when they're trying to uh, was it, they're trying to steal, uh, run off with the horse. And obviously, they think the, the the princess is mute, so they're trying to do you know American Sign Language wasn't around yet, obviously, right. and so they're doing like hand gestures. And I thought that was probably one of the funniest scenes in the movie, you know, where they're like talking to her as if she's uh, deaf, you know, and she's mute. Like obviously, I mean, well, is that was that a misconception in in this movie that, that because she's mute that she's also deaf? Because I thought that you can still be mute and still hear. Right. Right. I, I I don't know if they, you know, what in particular their ruse, like what they told them. I can't remember. Okay. Um, but they do start treating her like she's basically like, they start like she's both like she's deaf and, and yeah. Mute. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Um, because they're, they're not the most thoughtful individuals anyway. And so that's, that that's also something that I think is different uh, about this type of, like these type of characters. Usually when you see these two, like, scoundrels or cod men they're usually very slick and these guys are not slick at all like yeah. they're they're dirty they're desperate like uh so usually they're the dumbest guys in the room but they think they're the smartest guys in the room and that's very different from han solo right yeah they try to take off the horse and then like the the princess keeps following them and then ultimately <laughs> they, they get stopped by the, by, by the general anyway so, so right. like 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 they don't go anywhere with that scene but it was funny it was just funny to watch um let me see. Were there any other comparisons to um, to to uh, a New Hope? I mean, I, I've seen some stuff on YouTube where they actually took like scenes too. So it was actually very interesting to see like some some similar shots uh, between the two movies. Uh, you know, mostly like some of the fighting, like towards the end of A New Hope. Uh, obviously, there were some uh, war scenes that you've already mentioned in uh, Hidden Fortress. Um, trying to think of well the, like i mean just characters. the name itself you know the the hidden base that you know they're they're trying to thematically you know that yeah. the empire's trying to find uh they're you know they're, they're uh, we don't actually see it um from the opposing side's point of view which i like like i like that there is no cut back to seeing like a grand moff tarkin or darth vader talking about like how close they are to finding the hidden base uh we just know that it's imperative that this princess get home that they just, that they can't stay there forever. Um, so, I mean, there, there is that. I, I do think I, I want to talk about something that it's kind of a little bit broader um, as far as, because like, as I said, in our last episode, we talked about the similarities between what JJ Abrams did with force awakens, uh, nodding to some of the story beats of a new hope. Um, do you think that that, is better or worse um, within the same sort of universe and franchise than what Lucas did, where he used influences from all sorts of different movies, like Hidden Fortress, um, like World War II footage, like combat, like pilots he used for like X-Wings and like TIE fighters. Um, do you like it better when basically those influences are kind of hidden and obscure, or do you like it when a director sort of gives that nod and the audience can kind of be like, Oh, I see what he did there. Like, do you, do you think that adds something to like force awakens that let's say JJ Abrams had stolen from another Kurosawa film? Would that have been better for people or would that have been worse because it's a continuation of what Lucas did? So which, which one is better that if, if JJ were to take like a different property, like a Kurosawa film right. versus JJ taking from like the same universe right. via George Lucas, mm -hmm. uh, and you're asking which would I prefer or which one do I think works better? Is, well, which do you prefer for like something okay. like episode seven? Because for, episode seven obviously is a sequel and yeah. a new hope at that time was a completely new thing. Obviously it couldn't take from a previous Star Wars movie. I think I think in this situation it's kind of like a uh, like a by case uh, is that the right word by case scenario per case scenario case by case, uh, case basis. By, yeah case by case basis um, because like this you have what was the time frame between Return of the Jedi and Force Awakens twenty four twenty four years does that sound about oh, right God uh, thirty oh get more thirty two years 32 I think eighty three okay yeah. Okay, so I I feel that 
that works because it's been so long that that and maybe that's needed because let's say that he like you know grabs uh, references from a Kurosawa that that may change some things you know what I mean and it's funny because like in our, our previous episode where we uh, kind of compared a new hope with the Force Awakens you know I mentioned Creed you know Creed did a very similar thing mm-hmm. he didn't pull any references from any other movies it's it's you know uh, following. Basically, I don't even think it follows Rocky Balboa, does it? You know, it kind of follows part four, kind of. Maybe even three. I mean, Maybe it goes from three think, to Creed. Yeah, I mean, I, I think they're all, like, in continuity. Sure. Uh, but, uh, but, like, yeah, you can just go one, two, three, Creed. You know, you, you can do that, you know. You can do one better. You go one, two. then Creed. That would be what oh, I would do. Okay, there or you just go. Creed. Sure, <laughs> just watch Creed. Um, but see, like, I guess... People kind of forget, but Back to the Future 2 and 3 did the exact same thing, you know? And uh, I, I feel like for the casual fans, that didn't work for them, right? Because it's just like, well, it's, 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 it's part one over and over again, just different settings. But for, like, me being, uh, you know, the super fan, like, that works for me. Like, you know, it, it's, it's the same universe. So I guess if I had a choice, you know, it, it's to pull references from the, the, um, the earlier properties, you know, uh, I, I think if you're like rebooting something, then that would be okay to take influences from from the other stuff. You know, like like a, a New Hope does here with Hidden uh, Fortress. So I hope that answers your question. Yeah, I tend to go the other way. Like I understand it what mm-hmm. they're trying to do, and I think with the prequels and those not having the best reputation uh, with the, the fan base, that they certainly took the easy way of saying, hey. You know, we recognize that you all love the original trilogy and we're going to harken back to New Hope. Like thematically, we're going to have some of the similar things happen to these characters. I do think there's a danger there, though, because how are we ever going to have another Star Wars? And I don't mean Episode 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, whatever. There's going to be 50 of them in the next five years. But uh, how are we ever going to have like what would be the new version of Star Wars if we don't have filmmakers basically – cobbling together different influences like you know samurai movies you know japanese samurai movies or westerns or war films and making something brand new okay and do you think that that i mean we're living in the age of franchises where it's either marvel dc you know star wars or it's something from you know the 80s that's being rebooted do you see like a new star wars coming about like a new completely new universe that uh someone will cobble together from all these different films and influences I think eventually yes, uh, and that just that's just me being optimistic. But you're you're saying something like, uh, for example, you know, westerns aren't aren't quite like uh, you know as big anymore. Obviously, Tarantino's doing like Hateful mm-hmm. Eight, and he did right um, uh, Django Unchained. So something like that, right? Where well, actually, that's a, that, that's a great example now that I think about it because he's going to all these spaghetti westerns, taking these older properties and and kind of like trying to, I guess kind of rebuild like the western franchise right like something like that obviously it it will never become like the sci-fi you know like star wars how how uh uh, the impact it has made on pop culture like that but something like that right i mean because he well he doesn't have those intentions like he's not trying to create like a new series of films like yeah obviously they're all like in this sort of weird tarantino verse but no i think that's i mean you're probably right he's the only one that's like kind of acknowledging that's what he's doing that he's pulling from all these different movies and influences that he loved as a child and like creating something of his own the difference being he's not creating a new trilogy he's just creating like singular films each time right yeah so yeah i think i mean he's already kind of doing it and hopefully that kind of picks up like you know i it you're the fan of star wars here i mean there's there's got to be some fatigue right after a few years here (laughs) i mean i i I was i was fatigued before force awakens came out and i even liked force awakens and i still was sick of hearing about it before i even bought my ticket like and that's that's kind of the world we live in now um so you know i doubt that there are people who are like getting really excited about uh an independent like samurai movie or something that's coming out from japan right now and i uh, that that kind of depresses me because I'm more of a movie fan than I am like just a Star Wars fan. Like Star Wars is one of my favorite movies. A New Hope is Empire, <clears throat> but I also don't want to just love Star Wars for the next fifty years. Like right. I want to love all sorts of movies. Yeah, so so that's me being optimistic. Like I, I hope filmmakers are going to be like, 
yeah, you know, I need to, let's do something different. You know, like, hey, Tarantino's kind of doing this thing. Maybe maybe I can start pulling some references from some foreign movies and, and kind of start my own thing, too. So I, I, I think we're going in the right way. I mean, like... Uh, like Abrams, I don't think he was like you know one of those directors. People are like you know I can't wait for the next Abrams stuff. Like people always kind of kind of had some kind of respect for for some of his work. And I feel like you know when he did Force Awakens, people were like yeah you know we can get directors to actually do good stuff and and not just like the old popcorn movie like Michael Bay and things like that, right? So we got an up-and-comer with, like, uh, Ryan Johnson, which people are more familiar with, like, uh, some of his smaller work, but, like, hoping, you know, that goes well. Like, I I can see, like, the studios, you know, going to these lesser-known people to kind of like, hey, let's let's do something different, you you know, uh, outside-the-box kind of thing. So You mentioned uh, Ryan Johnson's smaller work, like, such as uh, The Brothers Bloom. Yes, which, which I, I believe have, we, we covered on War Machine vs. War Horse. Yes, <laughs> exactly. You knew where I was going with that. So, yeah, check out that episode we did for Focus. I believe Focus, it was followingfilms.com. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, at War Machine Horse on Twitter. Um, okay, well, uh, here's here's the flip side of that then. Is there anything about The Hidden Fortress and its influence on A New Hope that you dislike? Like you wish that Lucas hadn't maybe brought some of those similarities to – and had done something different or pulled from another film or done something more creative, whether it's, you know, the characterization of the princess, uh, <laughs> the sword fighting. <laughs> no, I, I think uh, everything that he pulled was, was just fine. You know, uh, obviously Star Wars has a, a huge impact on pop culture and a lot of, uh, you know, uh, millions of people's lives, you know, childhood at, at that. So, no, I, I think uh, I hope I answered the question. Yeah, I mean, I don't think there was nothing myself that I saw in A New Hope when I, you know, watching Hidden Fortress, you know, afterwards, which I think most people probably would. I think they would probably come to Hidden Fortress after A New Hope because I, you know, Star Wars was put in front of me as like a as a wee lad. Like, you know, just I, I don't remember a time when I had not seen Star Wars. Like, it's just always been there. Um, you know, it's a funny thing. Like, I don't think I ever mentioned this to anybody because, you know, like me – not being like a huge Star Wars fan, we owned all three movies. Yeah, growing up, like I remember seeing the uh, the VHS, uh, VHS boxes, and I think the only reason that uh, a couple reasons why I, it was never a big thing in my household was one, nobody else watched it, so it's like, well, I'm not watching it with anybody. And the reason I never like opened it up to watch it myself is because like those cover boxes you know i think i remember empire strikes back the most isn't it where like uh han is holding leia you know and then you get the uh, r2 d2 and c3po like in the background isn't that empire strikes back oh the cover box the cover box yeah yeah i believe so yeah right and and to me as a kid it almost kind of looked like a like a one of those young adult novels you know, like one of those romance novels. Well, you're you're really going after the the people who have clicked on this because it's got Star Wars, and saying they they were into YA. Look, this crap. isn't even on <laughs> iTunes yet, so you know, <laughs> I think I think we'll be okay. Uh, hi, Dave. I think that's you know, why you, should be, you should be more concerned with the people. Like, who are these? You know, fifty to a hundred people that listen to these damn things, and how do they find it? So I don't. I don't I'd be very concerned with these these freaks that have found original remake. Yeah. Well. Well, that's. I'm okay. You know, I I feel like, look, have you not heard my disclaimer that I'm not a huge fan? (laughs) So, well, okay, here's the flip side to that. Yeah. If most people now are going to be coming to A New Hope, will that have a negative impact on their enjoyment of watching Hidden Fortress? If this, because, you know, normally, you know, probably not with foreign films, but if it's a successful film and Hidden Fortress is very successful, has a nice Criterion collection, it's very famous. Normally, people would be exposed to the original before Hollywood gets their hands on it. But that's probably not the case here with A New Hope coming out in the 70s and being one of the most popular films of all time. Do some of the similar story beats, do they lessen the impact of A Hidden Fortress if you're watching it second? I don't think so. Uh, like, I, I think the only way it would kind of have, like, and I don't even want to call it like a negative impact, but only if you know that, uh, you know, the influences in. Uh, a New Hope was from Hidden Fortress. That could maybe, uh, you know, make you have some issues while watching Hidden Fortress. But like, if you just watch Hidden Fortress without that knowledge, like th- this, you know, I think I think if you had somebody watch Hidden Fortress 
and they had no idea that it influenced Star Wars, and then you told them after the fact, they'd be like, you know what, I, I could kind of see that. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But I don't think anybody would sit down and watch Hidden Fortress and be like, wow, this this is Star Wars. You know what I mean? Like, uh, I, I think the, the, the movies are different enough. I mean, and we already kind of mentioned it. It's not a direct uh, remake. You know, it's just heavily influenced. It's, and uh, I feel like a lot of movies have done it too. But, um, but even watching and knowing that uh, Star Wars was was influenced by this movie, like for me, reviewing the two movies. And I obviously had already seen Star Wars, um, you know, uh, many a times. And watching Hidden Fortress, I can see the influences, but I was still enjoying it. Like, uh, I, I was actually almost kind of like, yeah, I, I, I'd call this like a very loose remake, you know. So it didn't take me out uh, of my enjoyment of watching Hidden Fortress. Yeah, I think the characterization, as I said, are different enough, whereas, uh, you know, R2 is like a true, like, loyal hero, which, you know, maybe it's just programmed to do so, but, uh, yeah, it has a different flavor to it, even if you do see the connection, like, you know, yourself, uh, uh, and, you know, we're watching it to try to make those connections. Like, that's, you know, we've programmed this to watch, you know, this kind of similar story beats for this podcast, but I was able to really enjoy The Hidden Fortress because, the characters are so different. I would say that the princesses are the closest thing as far as being very similar, just in how they, they handled the, their allies, like okay. very strong willed. Uh, but having the companions be uh, scoundrels, I think really helps here. Like true scoundrels, like true, like there's a sequence where I, I don't, we've not really gotten into any spoilers. So at this point I don't want to like, you know, spoil the film because we're kind of just talking kind of generally on the, the themes and the story mm-hmm. beats. But Here's a sequence where you know there's this this gold that they're they're that that the two peasants are after like life changing gold and it's basically the carrot it's the carrot that's like leading them along to like help the princess to basically do good is this this promise of gold and when they think that 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 gold is like lost like there's this like musical sequence like I, I found and maybe this is something about me I found their pained like expressions when they think that they're losing like this, like, you know, this great wealth to be hilarious that they were having to like basically sit there and like watch like all of their, like basically dreams, like go away. Like in that, you know, the dance sequence I'm talking about, like, the, yeah. Yeah. I know that you, you talked about gold and it just, it kind of kept bothering me. Like how do they get the gold into those sticks? And, and then when they carry it, like in those bundles on their back, that's gotta be heavy, right? Well, yeah, yeah, of course. It, like that's that, that's what I, <laughs> I I I felt like that was like adding to, you know, the, the statement that he's making about these characters is that they are they're willing to do, like, hard work, like they're willing to basically like suffer and like do the honorable thing, like only when it's in their best interest, uh, which is is clearly different from the the arc of Han Solo in A New Hope. Mm-hmm. Like he starts out that way. But yeah, when he comes back in to save Luke in the Death Star trench, and you know, says you're all clear, kid. You know, let's blow this thing, and go home. There was really nothing. There was nothing in it for him to come back. And in the Hidden Fortress, I like that. You know, spoiler alert. They never really make that. They don't have that arc. Like mm-hmm. the most that they they have is that they they have some sort of a respect that they've like gained for each other. That maybe now they're true friends and they're not like you know. Uh, they're not going to try to insult the other one as much. So that, but as far as how they're, they're dealing with the general, the princess, I, I think they're, they're still the same. They're still out for themselves. Yeah. Uh, one of the things I just thought about was the, the ending of the movie. It, would, would that be spoiler? I mean, I, I guess I wasn't even really thinking of like certain things we were avoiding or whatnot. For but, Hidden Fortress, I guess, you know, maybe. I New Hope, I'm assuming there's no such thing as a spoiler for it anymore. Yeah, well, I was just going to kind of compare the uh, awarding ceremony kind of thing. Sure, yeah. Or uh, they Okay, so in Hidden Fortress, they are sharing the the award, the reward, I, I should say, yeah. right? Uh, and that kind of goes like, okay, well, one thing between the two people, how come Chewie doesn't get a medal? Like you know, I, the, I'm the, right there with you. Did they run out? <laughs> of, you know, you know the uh, again back to my uh, interview with Sarah Gailey. I asked her about that. Like, what, what were her thoughts on Chewie not getting one? And she goes, "Well, I mean, 
well, would you pin it on, right? He's essentially naked. And I go, yeah, you're right. But, you know, it could be like on a lanyard. They could put it on a Gold chains, baby. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, something. You know, like a Flavor Flav clock, you know? So uh, before we uh, get into our uh, questions here, I'm not sure if you have uh, more on on the, the no, two no, here. No, go ahead. Now, uh, we do have a uh, an audio clip from friend of the show, Jameson, of uh, Real Films Reviews. So I want to go ahead and play that at this moment. Ben, you will go to the Dagobah system. Dagobah system. There you will learn from Yoda, the Jedi Master who instructed me. Hey guys, I'm sorry I couldn't join you. It seemed like every time... Uh, I made an effort to make this happen. The Empire got in my way and stopped it. Uh, but we are talking about what? We're talking about the Hidden Fortress and its connection to Star Wars, right? Uh, so the Hidden Fortress, Kurosawa's great film. It's, I mean, it's one of those achievements of his. And it's almost passe to say that Kurosawa has great achievements in filmmaking. But um, I really love the look of this film. Uh, technically, I think it's a beautiful film for the most part. Uh, and some of the things that I really enjoy about the Hidden Fortress are obviously Toshiro Mifune, um, as the general, always playing it, uh, the stoic character who, uh, who doesn't show a lot of emotion. And when he does, it really emphasizes that it, it is something special. Um, the princess, Princess Yuki, uh, played by Misa Uhara, I really like her in this role of, um, a strong feminine character in a time, especially in Japanese cinema, where that wasn't a big thing. That wasn't norm. And she, she showed a toughness. She showed an authority, uh, that was, uh, really compelling and, uh, enjoyable. But of course, the, the two guys who kind of steal the show, um, are, are bumbling idiots, if you will, um, who are constantly trying to scheme up ways to, run off with the gold, the, the get-rich-quick schemes, the guys who um, who are willing to stab friends in the back in order to get one stick of gold, um, they make the Hidden Fortress kind of what it is. It's it's their balance off of um, the Fune's efforts and Uhara's efforts that really, uh, that really showcase each other's skills. Um, and of course, you know, if we're talking about this and we're talking about its connection to Star Wars, it's so obvious in the first 20 minutes of The Hidden Fortress to see where George Lucas got so many of his ideas. I know he likes to call it merely an inspiration. Um, I would call it a bit more than that, uh, as you obviously have um, the droid characters laid out for you uh, in this in this movie, uh, in what would become the relationship between R2 and C-3PO. You basically have the the first 20 minutes of A New Hope as they are escaping a war that they really didn't want to be a part of. They say they did. Um, they've seen some things, but uh, uh, they escape off and are separated and captured. And I mean, this is the opening to A New Hope. You have the strong, older general. Uh, you have the princess who's got a lot of fight in her. I mean, these these are these are characters and these are tropes that were laid out that are so obviously... I hate to say it, but ripped off by George Lucas. And uh, he has not given enough credit, I don't think, to Kurosawa for what he does. He he likes to kind of poo-poo um, what kind of uh, inspiration Kurosawa laid out for him and, and the story. But uh, I think it's pretty obvious uh, when you watch the two. Uh, and, I mean, I'm, I'm almost waiting on re-watching The Hidden Fortress. I'm almost waiting for the Princess Day to say... Aren't you a little short for a samurai? That's I'm waiting for that line because it is so blatantly obvious. But um, I am not one of those Star Wars fanboys who does nothing but bash Star Wars, the self-loathing uh, Star Wars fan. I can't stand those guys. And I will not be one of those guys. I love Star Wars. Star Wars has been um, a huge part of my life now for 38, 38 years. Um, and... Uh, I, I think that both works can stand on their own. I highly recommend The Hidden Fortress to anyone uh, who is interested in it, who anyone just loves good cinema. I mean, it doesn't get any better than Kurosawa. Now, as we talk about Star Wars and we talk about The Force Awakens, my anticipation level for The Force Awakens could not be higher. 
I have tried tempering my expectations for this film, um, and I, I, it, it almost does no good. And I remember back to the last time I was excited for a Star Wars film back in 1999 before episode one. And I remember how excited I was and how, how that turned out. And so I try to temper my expectations going in, but it doesn't matter. It doesn't, it, I'm, nothing could stop me from seeing this. I am hopeful that JJ can deliver. I'm very confident in him. My only caveat is I'm fearful for, uh, an oversaturation of the product after this film, as you start rolling Star Wars products out every six months or so, and you have various directors working on them of various quality of directors. That worries me looking ahead into the distant future. But for today, for right now, for The Force Awakens, for the hype that's going on right now, it's it's pretty great to be a part of this hype again. Um, and I have high levels of anticipation. I cannot wait to see the first show. I plan on seeing this movie three times this weekend as it opens. And I'm just hopeful for a good, strong Skywalker story. I just want to know more about the the Skywalker line and where we're going to go with this new branch of the universe. Uh, and so I am, I'm excited to see it. I'm excited to discuss it. Uh, and I look forward to hearing what you guys have to say. Uh, and thanks for having me on. So from Real Films Podcast and Movie Mojo Monthly, my name has been Jameson Rabbit. Thanks for having me. All right. Well, thanks, Jameson, for that clip. You know, I know I've uh, I've known that man for like over two and a half years, and I still have never heard him swear. Uh, so he, I I really wanted to hear him say like you know uh, George Lucas you know shits on Kurosawa or, or whatever. I kind of like poo poo. Poo poo. You like that? <laughs> okay. Yeah. The um, like I, I've seen him text like you know shit or something, but like I, I'm still waiting for him to actually like say it on air or something like that. So, uh, but yeah, it, very very. Uh, Great insights. Um, we we didn't even talk about like the yeah, the look of the film or even like the um, I, I guess uh, Mufune. I wonder if he Criterion seen... looks great. No, uh, I can I'm, say that. I'm sure it does. I <laughs> wouldn't know anything about that. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, the uh, his I was very impressed by his pronunciations too. Um, so I, I I wonder if he's just very versed, you know, in the Kurosawa verse, or I think it's because he's he's transformed into like his blue ghost. Jedi form for this podcast you know he was he's he's much wiser and so he's imparting wisdom to us uh much like Obi-Wan does to Luke he just appears in the middle of the podcast and uh that's that's how he has all those tremendous insights that, that's exactly it do you, do you think that in post I should probably like trying to uh make his audio echo a little bit as if he was a ghost oh, absolutely yeah yes <laughs> <laughs> okay all right uh did you have any other thoughts uh on Jameson's uh input there well, I, I didn't uh, realize I've not read up enough on what Lucas himself has said about this. I, I always thought that he was kind of like Tarantino, as we okay. talked about earlier. I thought he was very open about this. So uh, that's, you know, that's, that's that's not cool, dude. Like, it's a party foul. If he, if he wasn't like – I figured, like, that the influences are, as Jameson said, so obvious – but they're put in a new setting that, like Tarantino, he could just openly say, like, oh, yeah, I pulled this shot from uh, Hidden Fortress because I love Kurosawa films. And, you know, he would just be really enthusiastic about sharing that. And, like, he's he's taking this something he loved when he was a kid and is a young film fan, and he's, like, using it himself. But he's also encouraging people to go check it out. So if, you know, if he has been, I guess, poo-pooing the, the notion of the Hidden Fortress influence, uh, I think that kind of sucks. That's because... Uh, you know, we're doing this podcast and I watched the Hidden Fortress because of Star Wars. So right. basically, you know, George Lucas just introduced me to another great film, one that I really enjoyed. And I'm kicking myself that I waited so long to watch it. So he should embrace that. You know, th this reminds me a lot of uh, another pairing that we have done before, but uh, Mar Martin Scorsese. Um, where the Departed. The Departed. Infernal Affairs. Yeah. And he said that that was just an inspiration. Like, no, you ripped off like a lot of those <laughs> scenes and dialogue at that. You know, there's nothing wrong with just calling saying I did a remake because, yeah. you know, he he you know, he, he said it in Boston. He connected it to a real criminal and Whitey Bulger. So he did his own thing with it. Uh, like it's a great you know cover song of Infernal Affairs. They yeah. can both exist. You can like both. And I think we both do. You know, I like both those films. So uh, same with A New Hope and Hidden Fortress. Uh, I like them both. And they're they're unique in their own way. Although on that merit, the Hidden Fortress is more unique <laughs> because, you know, it came first. Right. 
And uh, do we want to get into those three questions, or do you yeah. think? Okay. Sure. Um, so yeah, the, the first question is you, you heard in, in our intro, and we're we're usually pretty bad uh, in some of our other episodes, but actually like getting back to them. But uh, Peter, does the remake do justice to the original? Uh, you know, discounting the fact that this is not a true remake. So does A New Hope do justice to its original influence of Hidden Fortress? I think it does, you know, and it, it does enough to kind of um, distance itself where, you know, you're not looking for these comparisons where you're like, oh, well, it doesn't do it justice, you know. And, uh, you know, there's kind of a lot of similarities in characters, but also uh, enough differences in characters, too. So I think it does enough differently that it does it justice, if that kind of makes sense. You know what I mean? Like, it's not tainting it, you know, like, well, you know. Hey, A New Hope is great, and yeah. it inspired you know many people to get into film, uh, and many people to get into sci-fi, and yeah. uh, it's provided a great amount of joy to to millions of people. So, yeah, I would say it does justice to uh, the Hidden Fortress. Uh, there's there's enough change there, um, but he just needs to acknowledge that that influence. But yeah, yeah, I think I mean I can see I can see the uh, the you know the, the princess. Uh, in this, you know, feudal Japanese setting, or I could see her on a, a giant, you know, that's no moon Death Star. And I, I think it's it's cool to see that 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 same kind of characterization in two distinctly different settings. So uh, um, I, I want to read an article where the Kurosawa family is like, look, we, we Disney, we need some of this money. Where's we, our check? Yeah, where, where's <laughs> our check? You know, you just you, uh, or or even going to Lucas, like, look, we know you just got four billion dollars <laughs> from from Disney, so uh, we needed a chunk of that. We'll take one of those, one yeah. of those billions. Um, second question is, if you just watch the remake, in this case, A New Hope, do you get a good sense of why the original was successful or not successful, and thus remade? And I'm guessing we're going to say The Hidden Fortress is a very successful film. Absolutely. I mean, you own it on Criterion. Uh, very great quality. And you I, should. I hear. You should. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You, you should just send me your copy because <laughs> it was just sitting there wrapped up anyway. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I think that's that's often your rebuttal. Just go ahead and send it to me. You uh, know, I don't know why Criterion doesn't do like a streaming site. That's an excellent point, and they do sort of, Peter. Oh, oh, is that um, right? Uh, on Hulu Plus, uh, they have for the last three or four years had access to a lot of criterions, but it's not complete. So it's not everything. Like if there's a criterion collection, it's not guaranteed that it'll be on there. And probably the newer ones are not, but so I don't know if hidden fortress is streaming on Hulu plus, uh, but a lot of other criterion collection films are. Oh, dang it. So See, there I'm you go. Still, I'm still stuck on that Netflix. Yeah. You got to get off that Netflix is they're, they're, they're going into TV now. And so that just offends me as a movie fan that that's where most of their focus is going. So isn't that where Hulu started? What was mostly. TV? Yeah. And look at them. They, they embrace the, the light side, the, you know, the art house cinema of criterion. So All right. uh, enough gonna, of that sitcom crap. I'm going to have to do some, some research here. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Cause, cause I, I'm definitely looking for like, uh, a streaming site that has, uh, you know, a much more variety. I, I'm having a hard time finding a lot of the movies that I need to review on Netflix. So, and no, we are not sponsored by Hulu as much as we're poo-pooing on Netflix right. promoting Hulu. Although I wish we were. I, I would, I would take any. I would take just a free membership. Yes. They would, that, that's all. I, I can be bought cheap. Absolutely. I'm not asking for one billion here. Yeah. Uh, Okay, so uh, most of all, which movie to watch, the original or the remake? So this will be the hardest one, I think. And we, we run the risk of offending many a Star Wars fanboy if we dare say to watch Hidden Fortress over A New Hope. I, I know how we can get around this. And okay. I think we both agree both are great movies. I am yep. curious to see the 90-minute the version, though, uh, just to kind of see like how much it takes away from from this actual movie. How about mm. how about we'll we'll push right? So you'll go with Star Wars, and then I'm gonna say Hidden Fortress because I'm Asian, and for those that do not like my uh, um, my choice here, you might be racist. <laughs> so be careful. I, I kind of like I like how your you thinking. approach that. <laughs> but you you made a you made a terrible mistake there. You, you forgot how much of a troll I am when it comes to anything nerd related. I was going to vote for Hidden Fortress anyway, so ah. it's a clean sweep. Okay, well, uh, well, go, go, go ahead and get rid of a New Hope. Throw those copies away. Sign up for Hulu Plus or just buy the Criterion. Uh, it, to be honest, it's really hard to gauge of picking one or the other. Um, 
because as I said, a new hope and star Wars, that, that series has just been around my life for so long that I, for this podcast, I had a much better time watching hidden fortress because it was fresh and new to me. Yeah. And so just watching the two together, I'm like, Oh, this is a better movie. And maybe it is. I, I don't know. I, it's hard to separate my fandom and love for those, like those childhood memories of star Wars from something that I'm watching as an adult. But I do think that Hidden Fortress is a genuine classic and a great film. Yeah. Uh, but I can say the same about A New Hope. The only reason – this will be hard for me if it was Hidden Fortress uh, versus Empire. If for whatever reason Feudal Japan had carbonite freezing technology, uh, maybe then this would be a fair fight. But, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm going to go with Hidden Fortress. I just – you know, for this – if you're asking me this morning which one I feel like I want to rewatch again, it's that one. And maybe it's what – you know, I was saying, and Jameson was saying in his uh, Jedi Ghost form, uh, that we're we're on the cusp of just being just swarmed with Star Wars constantly. If you get on Facebook or Twitter, uh, the news it's just Star Wars everywhere. You go to the movie theater, that's all people are seeing. So it was a nice uh, respite. It was a nice uh, little trip to uh, a different a different land to see uh, the Hidden Fortress and see some of the same story beats, but in a different way. So that's my vote. So the official. Officially, we're saying Star Wars sucks. I think that's the hashtag, right? <laughs> uh, you could hashtag that because <laughs> you have many listeners to lose. Like if I, if I if I do that and lose the listeners I do have, then I have no listeners. But um, the you know what would be a good comparison where we can uh, ask like, does it do the original justice? And we can say like, well, hell no. It would be what is it? The limited edition uh, of these movies or the special editions. Well, I guess the, I don't know what as far as the uh, the the ninety minute cut you're referring to on Hidden Fortress. No, I'm talking about the, the Star Wars stuff alone, where George Lucas, you know, screwed it all up by like trying to t- tinkle with it. Oh, that's uh, tinker, yeah. tinker. I'm so, sorry. I was gonna say tinkle and poo poo. We're just you know, <laughs> we're, we're just getting crude on this episode. Well, we all uh, have kids, and you don't. So, so yeah. I think you will understand one day. <laughs> Having Brody does not count. Uh, it does to me. That's my boy. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, if, we, if we're doing a special edition, then that, those are obviously garbage. So, right. um, yeah, the, the, you you keep recommending things at the end of episodes that make me think, hey, we could do a remake of this episode again. We've it seems like we've already done a remake of our New Hope episode, but you could yeah. even go further. You could do the special edition versions of Hidden Fortress and A New Hope, and then see which one was butchered more. I guess you know that that could that that's like a fifteen minute. Uh talk right there that we could do now or even just do a 15 minute episode on that be like okay these patreon are, yeah patreon well, that's sure, what we there, need there we go <laughs> we, we will uh 50 for that episode <laughs> that that will be a great uh content right there you know hell we will reach out to our star war fr- uh, friends uh, that are also podcasters we will all get in for 50 bucks and uh and and, and talk about those differences but they have to do it just for the the, the experience and the promotion that's yeah, what they're doing. Exactly. We, we pocket the cash. Yes. Um, <laughs> uh, okay. So, I mean, I think that wraps it up. So, uh, I mean, we pimp our other shows, like, every episode, like, throughout the conversation. Do we? But where – well, I mean, have we done it yet? What, what is your other show, Peter? Uh, let's see. Uh, Hydrate Level 4. You can find that on uh, followingfilms.com along with this one, Original Remake. And you can find Original Remake on Twitter at Original Remake. I am Michael. I'm at War Machine Horse. My other podcast is War Machine versus War Horse. And uh, you can also find it on followingfilms.com. But, Peter, where can people interact with you personally and your other show? Yes, uh, HLF Podcast. That's just Hydrate Level 4, uh, abbreviated, obviously. And also, if emailing is your thing, you know, that's still a thing for people. Uh, you can do. You can email to us at originalremakepod at gmail.com. We check it uh, at least once a month in the hopes that someone will email. But uh, you check yeah. it once a month, maybe because uh, <laughs> I, I don't even have it set up on my phone. To, to, to be honest with you. <laughs> so, uh, what are we doing next time? Since we're we're so you know on top of things, what what is our next uh, film that for people who have made it all the way to the end of the show? What can they expect us to well, be debating next time around? Well, it, 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 I think it's very obvious. You know, we are going to be covering my favorite movie, uh, Point Break. Finally, we get to the Citizen Kane in Peter's world, uh, Point Break. Uh, I just can't get you to stop talking about it. So it's going to be really interesting to see uh, you put this together in podcast form. This, yeah, I mean, yeah. I can't wait. Cherished childhood memory. I can't wait to see uh, Johnny Football, you know, um, uh, <laughs> surfing and, 
uh, skydiving and put, putting on the Richard Nixon mask. It just, oof. <laughs> so uh, that means we are going to uh, suffer through the um, the new film, which I believe has, the last time I looked, at 11% on Rotten Tomatoes. <laughs> so, oh, gosh. Um, yeah. And, and, forward to that one. I just wanted to throw it out. I, I know it's Johnny Utah. I, so I hope people knew that was a joke, you know, uh, Manziel, uh, Johnny Football. So because we know that podcasters don't watch sports right so, so we're, we're like they probably don't even few. understand that that reference so uh oh, based okay. on our longest yard numbers no they they do not watch football so. well google it you guys are good for something <laughs> okay i think that's it <laughs> all right <laughs>